Life, a podcast of the cinema. Good afternoon. Hello. Husband, Alonzo Duralde. Hello, husband, Dave you're, White. You're the reviews editor at The Wrap. Yes. You're also the, the, the biggest, baddest critic at The Wrap. <laughs> I am a critic at The Wrap, and together, you and I both met Debbie Reynolds <laughs> when she had a Band-Aid on her forehead. <laughs> was it her forehead or like the side of her head? Mm, real far, right on her forehead. Oh. She had a little tiny... Round, you know, one of the round little, ones. Little ones that they used to make that like for your, like a little tiny... Like if you had a little cut on your pinky finger, yeah, they would make those little tiny Band-Aids, right? She had one of those on her forehead and... You couldn't stop looking at it. And I couldn't stop looking at it. Like, she, uh, because she was, I mean, right in our face. Like, we were greeting her. Yeah. Like, and the, um, and, and she had a perfect layer of makeup over the Band-Aid. Oh, yeah. Like, she wasn't going to let anything get in her way. No Band-Aid. The Band-Aid perfectly matched her skin, and then the makeup... <laughs> On top of it was like, you don't, you don't see this. No. And she was so charming that if you weren't a weirdo like me, you would have, you would have glossed right over it. You would have been hypnotized enough by her to be like, there's what bandaid? Yeah. There's no bandaid on my forehead, but there was a bandaid on her forehead. And I kept wondering what's happening under the bandaid. Like, did you fall and bump your head? Like, I don't. It was such a teeny tiny little band-aid too. She was a survivor, Dave. She was a a, a legend. Yes. She was a legend and very tiny. Yes. Remember how short she, she was, was a she was she was a wee thing. <laughs> um my band-aid story is not to uh diminish the legacy of her brilliance, but to uh display for you what a trooper she was. Yeah. You know, whatever it was, was not keeping her down. Some movie stars are like, I'm not going out with a Band-Aid on my forehead. Debbie Reynolds like, yeah, put a Band-Aid on it. Whatever it is. I'm going to this event. I have things to do. My I, public awaits. I was at MGM. I know how to cover this stuff. <laughs> what year was that? 1998? Ish. Nine, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, like before she had, we left Alice. She had just been in the Albert Brooks movie. Yes. Yes. Right. And um, I don't even remember what the event was. It was some kind it was of something to do with, with your job at the film festival. Well, that's why I went. But yeah. it had something to do with like, like Neiman Marcus. I can't remember what I can't it was remember either. Um, and that was that. That was it. Like that was. I don't remember anything about that evening except Debbie Reynolds was there. Yeah, and she was letting a line of people form. To greet her. Yes. It was very cool. Um, I have no reason to tell that story other than that three minutes before we got on this microphone, you played me uh, her version of It's a Small World After yeah. All. With like a rockin' orchestration. Uh, more like a country-ish sound. True, yeah. Uh, yeah. Arrangement. And... Um, it was released as a, you know, a single, 7-inch 45 RPM single. And 
Who bought it? Who went out and bought that? Disney Disney enthusiasts? Debbie Reynolds fans? It was 1965, yeah. the year it came out. Uh, you know, I bet, I bet, like, I could see a lot of, like, little kids having that or being given that or something. Little kids being given that. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Um, look, it was another check for the Sherman brothers. Little kids were like, I like the Beatles. Like, that was, that would have been what was happening at that point. The B-side was the age of not believing from Mary Poppins. So that's two checks for the Sherman brothers. True. Correct. Correct. Uh, Stephen Rebello sent that sent yes. it to you. So it's a whole game of telephone today <laughs> where our friend Stephen Rebello, author of the... Uh, dolls, Dolls, Dolls. Dolls, Dolls, Dolls. The oral history. Is it the oral history or just the history? The history. Of, the, of Valley, Valley of the, of the dolls. dolls and the, the book and the film and Jackie Suzanne. Perhaps and, most know, famously, yeah. famously the author of Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho. Correct. And also... Co-author of Bad Movies Bad We Love. Bad Movies We Love. Uh, he sent it to you. Yes. You in turn played it for me. Yes, and here we are. I went on a little bit of a hunt because <laughs> I was like, why did this exist? <laughs> this was a product that you could go into a store and purchase. Yes. you would. People were lining up around the block to get the Debbie Reynolds cover of It's a Small World. One of my favorite moments of uh, uh, just random Debbie Reynolds appearances. Yeah. Her cameo. In Connie and Carla. Oh, yeah. Because so much of that movie has to do with dinner theaters and, you know, Debbie Reynolds. I big advocate of that. Fully forgot about that. She shows up at the at the, at the the drag club in West Hollywood where they're performing. Yeah. And whichever queen is escorting her to the stage leans down and says, I loved you and what's the matter with Helen? <laughs> <laughs> Not singing in the rain. No. Uh... Of course. Have you ever seen What's the Matter with Helen? Never have. Oh, we have Never to have. we have to watch it. It's pretty great. I it like is. any I like any movie from that era from like the 60s and 70s where a woman's name is in the title with a question mark. It's a horror movie. Yes. Like the what was it? Uh, someone was just recently saying something about like the, whatever happened what happened to Aunt Alice? The the uh the terrifying corpse of beautiful Barbara or something like that. Like, <laughs> All of the Baby Jane, the post-Baby Jane movies. This one's a doozy. This who one's slew Auntie Rue. Rue. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this one, it, well, same director as Who Slew Annie Rue, uh-huh. the Curtis Harrington, famous, yes. you know, Satanist to the stars. Yeah. Um, also, uh, God, I forget <laughs> who wrote it, but it's like, it's somebody that's like, Mwah. but it's, 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 it is steeped in Hollywood history in the way that Baby Jane is. Right. Like, Debbie Reynolds and Shelley Winters run a, like, training academy for sort of would-be Shirley Temple child stars. Right. Agnes Moorhead plays a oh. plays an Amy Semple McPherson style okay. evangelist. This is this is the what's the matter? Wait, what's the matter with Helen? What's the matter with Helen? It's a dilly. We need to I'll, we need to watch it. Sometime. I'll watch that. Yeah. Look, if you get uh, here's what here's how I know. You get that little that little brightness in your eyes when you start telling me about something that I've never seen. <laughs> I think oh he's excited. I gotta 
I gotta watch this. Well, last night we were we were watching uh, a movie for an upcoming Linoleum Knife presents more Linoleum Knife, one yes. of our Patreon shows. Yes, and uh, there were just random trailers stuck on you know on the the Blu-ray, and right. I saw the trailer for The Last Seduction, and I have not thought about that movie Been a long in time. ages. Yeah. You've never and seen it. I've never it? seen it. Nope. Oh my god, that's Good. another one we're absolutely gonna watch. Uh, I don't know how I missed it, but I did. Uh, you know, it came out in the '90s when yep. I was. Always at the <laughs> at the movies at the movies. Um, so anyway, uh, God, I'm smelling that tart. <laughs> I'm so distracted. I it does uh, smell delicious, and it's going to keep smelling that way as it cools, y'all. I made a blueberry cornmeal tart. Yes, this afternoon, and it's letting off that one steamy plume of aroma yeah. like the cooling apple pie in a cartoon like it just came out of the oven about five minutes before we sat down to record and it is perfectly golden brown it smells buttery <laughs> it smells so good and we can't touch it because it's for company for it's, it's for company who are coming over tomorrow night mm. i made it in advance um what were, you, what were you thinking? Well, the recipe <laughs> says you can make it up to four days in advance. Yeah. Wrap it up, put it in the fridge, and then bring it back out. Easy for the recipe to say. Serve it. Yeah. It's I know, not but sitting it's in this apartment easy, smelling it. easier for me to do it this way. I guess. Because tomorrow's going to be busy. Um, but uh, the I it's going to have I'm going to have a hard time keeping my mind on mm. uh, your money. The current cinema. Because this tart smells so good. It does smell so good. You want the recipe? Uh, go to the go to YouTube. Allison Roman. She's the one that made it. I don't know if she invented it. But she made it in the video. She invented the blueberries. She she did invent blueberries. <laughs> she cultivated them, gave them their name. Yes. Yeah. What if we called them blueberries? What if, you guys? I mean, follow me on this one. I have like, wait, let me say it the way she would. I have like a great idea. (laughs) She's a valley girl. Uh, She was born and raised right here in the valley. Um, And she has, I find her delivery very appealing. Like it's, it is, it is a combination of, Adult Moon Zappa and our friend Chris, who is from Cerritos. Is she from a good part of it? The good part of Encino? I don't know where she, I don't know where she's from. I don't know exactly where she's from. The, 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 the nice part of it. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, she used to work at Boole. I the when you said that it, it, it triggered a little yeah. synapse that there yes, I think I did know that. Wonderful pastry, uh, wonderful pastry shop. Oprah's favorite salted and caramels. Bread, bread, bread place, pastry shop. Every, uh, mm, oh, and everything. Oh, everything. And that yuzu sorbet. Everything was so good there. Mm. Uh, this was in the early two thousands. Yes, and she worked there at the no. time. Obviously, we didn't know no. that she would become well known and be a cookbook author and a YouTube celebrity. And get canceled and then not get canceled. And, yeah. It's been a real um, it's been a real ride. It's been a journey for her. Um the uh uh uh, uh the current cinema. Let's discuss it. Sure. Uh, let's get let's stop talking about tarts and blueberries and Debbie Reynolds and whatever else. If you insist. Where you, should where should we begin? Well Alonzo. Dave. Alonzo. Dave. 
you saw a movie that I ain't seen yet. <laughs> and I, I, I'm supposing I'll get to it eventually, <laughs> like maybe before the summer's over. If someone could just fetch me a julep. <laughs> I hear this movie is real bad. It kind of is. And I'm very excited about that. Uh, it's called Where the Crawdads Sang. Yes. You, you get right up next to them crawdads and they sang to they you. They sang in which, the marsh, in, what, the, which is not a swamp, it's a marsh. <laughs> oh, I know. I, listen, I know all about marshes today because of Wordle. I don't want to spoil today's no. Wordle for anybody. But it's an annoying word that took yes. me six tries to get. And it's a word I haven't heard since I was a young child living on the coast of the Atlantic uh, Ocean near marshes. Mm. Just that's a little clue for what the word is, but like, I'm not going to spoil it. Anyway, y'all, <laughs> Alonzo. Nah. I, 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 I actually don't know if anyone in the movie speaks this way, but like, I'm giving you my best JT Leroy. <laughs> Right now. Well, it is one of those, you know, the, the lead actress is British. So but. I had the opportunity to uh, interview the uh, former, the artist formerly known as J.T. Leroy mm. on the phone. Not no fewer not, the, than, not the author, the public persona. The public persona formerly known as J.T. Leroy. Yes. Uh, I interviewed that person on the phone no fewer than three times uh, in the early 2000s. And uh, every time <laughs> I would get on the phone. Laura Albert, yes. the name of the person who was impersonating and conducting. Oh a, no, I take it back. She was the writer. It was the, the it was the yes. the outward public person. Yes, not no, but writer. she's not the one who did the interview. Exactly. Right. Laura Albert would do a voice. Yes. Uh, on, on, on the, the phone, phone, and that's how she would do the interviews. This was a, she was conducting a a massive literary hoax. Yes. That I found absolutely thrilling, <laughs> and. And that you fell for it at the time, much and like I, everyone well, else. Everyone fell for it. Yes. No, I'm Everybody not. I'm not calling it. you out. I'm not. Just, I mean, I'm super gullible. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you see those the, those documentaries, and you see yeah. like like Ben Foster being super earnest about yes, this. It's yes. Like, everyone. Yeah, everybody. Everybody did. Everybody fell for it. And um, Gus Van Sant credited this person as a writer on one of his books. Winona Ryder made up stories about actually meeting her. Yeah. Meeting JT. Him. And um, the, uh, <laughs> which I, to this day, again, love Winona Ryder <laughs> for all of the things that she is. Winona forever. Um, the, uh, but I'd get on the phone with Laura Albert. Yes. And she would be like, hey, Dave, how's it going? <laughs> and I'd be like, wow, you are really from the South. And uh, it, it, it's, there's a lot to disparage about this film, but I, but I will yeah, say. Let's talk about the crowd. Talk about the crowd. I can't maintain this voice. So I'm not going to do it. Um, I, I, I can't. <laughs> Okay, hugely, hugely successful book that I have never read and frankly had never heard of. Oh, I didn't know. I saw the uh, 10 seconds of the trailer and, and it was like based on the million billion selling novel that I that it, didn't it was, know existed. It was on the yeah. New York Times for something like 160 weeks yeah. or something crazy like that. Completely I'm like, missed it. Really? Yeah. Where was I? I well, you know, to, you and I were reading different books. I guess. <laughs> Other books that were not that one. So uh, this is... 
framed as a murder trial. We open with uh, this guy who has fallen to his death off of this, like, you know, ranger observation station by the marsh. Uh, the immediate suspect is is uh, the girl that everybody calls the marsh girl. Uh, who the is... marsh teaches you about life, <laughs> Alonzo. You can learn from the marsh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Marsh Girl, played by Daisy Edgar Jones. Uh, her name is Kaya, but again, everybody in town just calls her the Marsh Girl. We we find out as she sort of starts flashbacking from from the holding cell to her nice guy lawyer David Strathairn that she grew up in the Marsh with her family. Her father was an awful abusive drunk, played by Garrett Hedlund, because that's who you cast when you or no, sorry, Garrett Hedlund or Garrett Dillon. I always get those guys confused. Garrett Dillahunt, sorry. Garrett Dillahunt as the drunk abusive father. And one by one, the mother leaves, the older siblings leave. Like she's, and it's just, she's left with him. And eventually even he leaves. And so she makes a a subsistence for herself out there by like fishing mussels and stuff. And there's a, there's a kindly couple that runs like the general store who like buy muscles from her and give her old clothes from the church bin and you know kind of you know do what they can to sort of take care of her but she's basically uh, when is this set this is like the 50s and into the 60s in north carolina got it the the general store couple is the one black couple in the film like the only black characters with lines i think and, you know, the, the, there's one moment where you see, like, this authority figure guy who's, like, you know, the truant officer or whatever who's right. coming after her, like, talks to them and is super racist and condescending. Of course, and that's because like the, he's bad. Of course. And that's right. that's the one moment in the film where they sort of make the, the, the connection of, like, oh, okay, she's an outsider, they're outsiders, they take care of each other, great. But that's like that's that's the closest this movie gets to anything resembling a deep thought. Okay. Everything else is right there on the surface. Right. Um, she is this sort of like autodidact naturalist. You know, she observes, she draws, she sketches, she, you know, does all this stuff with the, the animals. There's this there's a there's the nice boy and the mean boy. The does nice, she talk to the animals? She no, nor does she sing. All right. Uh, the nice boy is Tate, who is this like when when uh, Olympia Dukakis talks about people who look like they were carved out of cream cheese and steel magnolias, that's this guy. Okay. Um, and then the bad boy is Harris Dickinson, right. who of course like you know lies to her and well, he's he's always typecast. Like, always. That like if you know his name, you know what he's been in. He's always just like the evil, yeah. uh, the evil handsome you, guy. Yeah, you know he's yeah. going to be nothing but trouble. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out he's the guy who dies at the beginning of the film. And so then there's this trial and the town turns out because they love him and they hate her. And uh, um, <laughs> it's it's all like every character is a thing. You oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie, you're one you know? you're one thing and that's yeah. what you are. And that's you don't change. And, and, and it's there are no other facets to your personality or the character. or and, anything. I get it. Yeah. I know. And her like, po- you're making me really want to see her this. poverty is so Pinterest friendly. Oh yeah, like her house is done just so, right? With her little watercolors and things right. all over the place of the animals. Her teeth are perfect. <laughs> um, you know, it just, it's it, 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 Christy and I sat next to each other and just would turn and give each other these massive eye rolls. The face, like yeah. we were never laughing yeah. out loud. We were just like, oh, can you even believe it? And then when you finally get to the big twisty finale, we're like. What? 
<laughs> really? Oh, there's a twisty finale. Oh, there's a twisty finale. I'm stoked. Um, and, and we left the theater actually coming up with like three better twisty finales right, than course. the one the movie came up with. I figure, um, I mean, it's doing pretty well, right? People are going to see this movie. It's, it's not, Is it, are they? That's what I understand. I right? have no idea. No, okay. Um, you know, the, for the, what it, the reviews were not good for the small for the smaller kind of you know summer, you know it's a major studio release. It's a pretty wide oh, is film. It? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, this I'm, this is like Reese Witherspoon. My understanding is that it's doing all right. Production I don't company pay enough attention to know if I'm right or not, but I heard something. I think we um, Reese Witherspoon did the whole like she has a book club and they read this book and she bought the rights uh, and now it's a big right. da 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 da. Got it. Uh, Got I, it. It, it last. Sorry, no. Th- I'm looking at this weekend on. Uh, it's it's in the top like three this weekend. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's making about you know a lot less than Thor: Love and Thunder. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I'm uh, currently in movie theaters when I can. Sure, be in movie theaters it has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with the fact that I just recently learned that I have arthritis in both of my hips, and so walking and sitting and doing things. Yes. I get to see my. I get to see a real orthopedist on uh, this week. Yes, very so, tight. You know what? Maybe I'll be having some titanium hips soon. We don't know what's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to being able to go to the movies anytime I want and not have to plan it and think about like, what are the seats like? Will there? it hurt? Is this is this theater seats? Are these seats okay? You know, is it an old theater with busted, you know, uncomfortable seats that yeah. in the past I would have completely suffered through? Yeah. Uh, Designed for the skinny people of the 1920s. Right, right. Like back in the day when Cinefamily was open and they had those like 1922 wooden seats. School auditorium seats, yeah. yeah. And I would just go and sit in them and think, that's fine. I can do that. And then you couldn't ask me to do that today. Yeah. Uh, But I'm looking forward to uh, some kind of uh, medical attention for this problem so that I can get my butt back into theaters the way I need to be, which is frequently. Because I love going. Love going to the movies. I've, I spend my time this summer waiting for a lot of things to just hit streaming or deep Blu-ray. <laughs> your hip issues um, are getting in the way of your sitting down. Yeah, precisely. So, um, you know, I am going out yeah. to movie theaters, but it's I'm really like picky, picking the moment and the time and the place. The Grove, the AMC Grove, mm-hmm. seats are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like I can deal. Uh, you know. It depends on the place. Yeah. But I really want to get out to a theater to watch this. (laughs) It's, I mean. Right before it ends, because everyone who has told me about it, including you, all they do is make me think. Like Goldfinch kind of territory. I mean, mean? not only is it not like so bad it's funny, it is resolutely humorless. Oh, even better. It is so earnest. Even better. And it's written by a writer or co-writer of one of your favorites. Yes. Beasts of the Southern Wild. Ooh! Yeah. (laughs) So. For the record, if you haven't been listening to Linoleum Knife for very long... Did not care for Beasts of the Southern Wild. <laughs> That's all. Um, the uh, uh, What I did catch up on, though, yes. with you, because of you, because of your demands, you demanded. I demanded. You demanded that I sit down to watch the new Father of the Bride. Yes. And here was the reason I resisted. 
It's Father of the Bride. <laughs> Other films called Father of the Bride. There have been, at least to my memory, two iterations of Father of the Bride, plus their sequels. Correct. And I didn't care about it the first time. And then I didn't care about it the second time. And now you're trying to get me to watch it a third time? Just in a whole new context with a whole new cast and a whole new everything? Yes. And I said, no. No, I'm not doing it. And then you kept demanding that I do it. You were like, this one's actually good. Would you care to talk about uh, this new version? Sure. And explain to everybody why you... And it gives me great pain and no pleasure to say this. You were right. Thank you. Uh, Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan are the parents this time around. They are uh, successful Miamians. He's a real estate magnate, right? An architect. Architect, thank you. He's a famous architect. He's he's a well-known architect. rich as hell. Yes, they are. Everyone in this movie. Oh, yeah. This is, is... Everyone in this movie is... Either super impressively rich or Elon Musk rich. Yeah, massively yeah. mega rich, exactly. <laughs> so uh, they, you know, he he is of the generation that 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 fled Cuba, that got to Miami. He's self-made, and um, now the the time has come for his his older daughter to get married. Um, and you know she's she's always been the daughter that, that that did everything right. That was always impressing him. You know, she went to law school. Two daughters, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, but now she is marrying another lawyer and is talking about moving to Mexico and doing like nonprofit work. And the dad's like, I'm sorry, what the what? Immigration law. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so and because this she has this job happening, the wedding has to happen real fast. And of course, the parents want to put on a whole big to do. The parents, mind you, as we begin the film, are just about to announce their divorce to their children. Yes. Like they have been going to counseling. It's we not open, working out. We open with Andy Garcia and uh, Gloria Estefan yeah. on a couple's counseling couch yeah. talking about getting a divorce. Exactly. Yeah. So just at the same dinner when they're going to make that announcement, their daughter tells them, oh, hey, guess what? I'm getting married. So now they have to keep that under wraps so as not to... Pretend so everyone doesn't get their, you know... Their feelings upset. Exactly. About everything. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, so then we, we meet the, the groom who, you know, seems like a swell guy uh, who is Mexican and downplays the fact that he comes from like one of the richest, like what beer families in the in, country. In, in Mexico. Yeah. So, so yeah. whereas Diego like. Diego Bonetta, he's uh, from that movie New Order. Yes. That you and I enjoyed yes. last year. Uh, so, so uh, you know, his family shows up and, and like you said, the Elon Musk wealthy. Yeah. Um, and so you get a lot of very specific kind of intra-Hispanic culture clashes. Yeah. Which I really appreciated. Of because, course, yeah. Oh, oh, are we not homogeneous? No. And oh, do we all have beef with each other? With each other, other. yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, the fact that the 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 daughter is you know the the father assumes that the daughter is moving to Mexico because the the the, the fiance is making her but that may not be the case uh, his younger daughter wants to ditch college and use the money to start having uh, start out her own dressmaking business she is played by uh, Isabella Merced who was in the live action Dora movie 
Um, and I just saw her again in Let It Snow on Netflix, which is really great. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody's got their little plots and stories and things going on. But I think the, 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 the Spencer Tracy and Steve Martin iterations of this are super white and suburban and bougie. And this one is not and, and right. finds different yes. ways to tell this the the wedding planner instead of you know being the ridiculously fay martin short is a ridiculously sort of influencery chloe Feynman who is hysterically funny with her gay assistant with her gay assistant. who is sort of like her like she she abuses him <laughs> all the time yeah, yeah. anyway I, I just i i i think that as a shiny fun rom-com this movie hits its marks i liked the cultural specificity a lot like at one point uh laura elena herring from mulholland drive who plays the Mm -hmm. the mother of the groom they're sitting around speaking in english she's like why are we speaking speaking in english English? yeah (laughs) and and then there and there's an answer to that you know so yeah just uh i i was really charmed by this just on a on a sheer like escapist fun rom com with a really good cast level, uh, but then I also thought the the added kind of this is how Cubans do this thing and this is how Mexicans do this thing and this is how they find a compromise. Uh, I just found delightful. I don't want to oversell this movie. It's not great cinema, but it is as good as a father of the bride third go round. I think could be. My favorite moment is when the when Chloe, when uh, 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 Chloe Feynman suggests that the wedding be flamenco themed, <laughs> and Andy Garcia says, "That's Spain," <laughs> and he says it in such a way that lets you know that everyone in the group, whether they are Cuban, Puerto Rican, Mexican. Everyone hates Spain. Yeah, with, on this we can all yeah. agree. The one thing they agree on <laughs> is everyone hates Spain. Sorry, Alonzo. Everyone did, hates you colonizers. I, I, I yeah. ain't mad at it. <laughs> so the um so here's I, I I said that you were right, and you were mostly right. Fair enough. All right. I uh I like you. I found it uh, charming and funny, and uh, and it was and it was and its value as a as an as another version is I think a, a, a commerce based in that it is probably still very difficult to get all Latino projects off the ground unless you've got a hook mm. that will sell it to everybody. A remake of Overboard, for, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, fine. If it's got to be Father of the Bride as the vehicle for all this, like, updated uh, representative stuff, okay, fine. It's still Father of the Bride. <laughs> And and I, I'm I'm bored with the story. I'm bored with the premise. I'm bored with Father of the Bride. So that's my one continuing reservation. Also, it's not 
imaginative filmmaking. It no. is very safe and blandly gorgeous on every level. Uh, it is perfunctory. People filmmaking. live in beautiful surroundings, and everyone's good looking. And there's and drone shots of the big lawn. Yeah, you yeah, get yeah. you get all the money all the money porn that you want. Uh, if that's your sort of escapist uh, thing, and it's not visually uh it's not formally sure interesting filmmaking um it is the definition of mainstream uh, uh big studio all four quadrants family friendly filmmaking i will say this okay. in defense of the father of the bride story in general yeah and in this this one in particular but in a way all of them these are big mainstream entertainments in which the patriarch is wrong. Is wrong. I, I get that. And, and, <laughs> and the patriarch has to learn things from the women around him, generally speaking. Yes, I agree, and I like that too. And, and from a new generation of men who behave differently. That is, and I'm, I, want, I want to pivot to the script of it all, mm-hmm. because that's the part that really makes this a winner. Yeah. Because the script does... Not simply make it Cuban, Mexican, Puerto Rican. It makes uh, it makes the world around us part of the story. Yeah, and it makes the young characters fully involved in the, in the world as it is right now. And then having to come to their parents the way any you know younger generation has to go to their parents and say. We're not doing it that way anymore. We're doing it this new way. And and we are thinking about things in new ways. And so that part I super appreciated. I I, I appreciated the the uh the fact that in spite of all this, it's not preachy or teachy, it's funny. Exactly, yeah. I it, it also, does it threads that needle very well. I think. Uh Andy Garcia does not come off as a, a, super, a super blowhard or a curmudgeon, you you feel for him. Yeah, you know that he's just you know stubborn and needs to learn stuff, um, but you don't you don't see him as a bumbling moron, like right. like I, the Steve Martin version of yeah, this. Yeah, no, I was never was a fan. Full of like, oh, the dog is coming out of the sudsy bath and climbing all over me. I don't even remember if that happens in the. <laughs> In the Steve Martin one, but it it, it could have and it, it probably well did. Yeah. Um, and Gloria Estefan is great. She is. She's great. And I don't think of her as an actor. <laughs> I, I think of her as, you know, come I, and shake your body, baby, do that yeah, conga. I, I, and I never I, saw that movie she did with Meryl Streep. But she, which one did she do with mu- Meryl Streep? Music of the Heart, the Wes Craven movie. Oh, God, did I see that? I probably did. They both play like music features. For, I forgot she was in it. <laughs> I, she, she was I, fun on One Day at a Time, but that was a pretty Right, role. she had a moment on One Day at a Time. Uh, but she's really good here. Yeah. And I think the, the the whole subplot about their marriage having to be fixed as all this other stuff is happening provides stakes that aren't yeah. there in the other versions. Right. Yeah. You know, Diane Keaton might cross her arms and get vexed with Steve Martin <laughs> bumbling around. Oh my God. But like that Diane Keaton movie that's coming out ooh. soon. I don't want Mac, Mac and, and Rita. And Rita, where she's like a young person, she gets, has like a past life progression or something and turns into Diane <laughs> she Keaton. She steps into a, a, a yurt. A, she steps into a magic hut and becomes 
80 years old or yeah, something? Like Because I, of Simon Rex? I can't wait. I can't wait. Sorry, we just derailed the whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this new Diane Keaton movie that's coming out, it's going to be not good. But again, I'm, we'll be there. I'll be right there. <laughs> um, so yeah, The New Father of the Bride is streaming on HBO Max. If you are like me, and you're like, no, I'm not going to watch Father of the Bride again. Perhaps you should. Do some ironing. <laughs> organize your paperwork and look at it when you need to and, and uh, enjoy what you're hearing because it's way better than I thought it was going to be. And I was resistant. Yes, you were. We had at least two disgruntled discussions about it where I was like, no, I'm not watching any more Father of the Brides. Yeah. I was a little wrong. There you go. Makes you want to treat me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> with a little more respect. It does not. No. <laughs> uh, we both saw the Mac and Rita trailer at a, a movie that was clearly designed for us to be the youngest people in the theater. <laughs> yeah. And were we? I think we were. I believe so. Um, I didn't check IDs, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Boy, does she. Um. From the author of The Poseidon Adventure. That blows my mind. <laughs> I never want to read the Paul Gallico book, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. My understanding is that it was like a book series, right? Oh, there really? Was more than one? Oh, I don't know. That's kind of what I was... Uh, you know what? I could be wrong. Anyway. There is some Paddington 2... <laughs> energy coming out of this movie it, it is a it is a karma wheel movie where it's like if you're nice to everybody you win mrs harris played by leslie manville yes it's 1957 in london and she is a uh cleaning lady she has multiple uh, uh employers she goes from home to home Cleaning those houses. No one who employs her is as good to her as she needs them to be. No. Either they are young and careless, uh, like the young actress whose home she cleans, or they are older and rich and lecherous and rotten uh, and don't pay her uh, on time. Or the guy who's always introducing her to his nieces. Oh, yeah, his young, his young. Presumably, mother. he does at least pay her on time. She never seems to have to go asking him for money. Yeah. But she has to chase down her, her pay yes, from everybody her. else. Um, she is widowed, and she learns of this in 1957. Yes. Her husband uh, was in World War II. He went missing in action. She held out hope. That somehow or other he was still alive. She doesn't know how she would be still alive, but she finally gets a telegram that says, Listen, we found his stuff. Yeah. He is dead. And uh, she uh, works for the worst of her employers, uh, sh shows her a new Dior gown that she has purchased. Cost 500 pounds. Do we know what 500 pounds in 1957 means today? I will look it up. Please do. Um, 
she has a gorgeous Dior uh, dress. And so Mrs. Harris gets it in her head. She wants one too. And she takes part of her husband's pension that has been, you know, they've been holding it. Right, she didn't know she had it. She didn't know she had it. They've been holding his pension since 1945. And she gets, you know, a little windfall. So that, in addition to some other sources of income that she keeps in her little notebook, gets her enough money that she can go to Paris and walk right up to the house of Dior and walk in and say, I want one of them frocks. It costs 500 quid. Uh, that's about 15000 between fifteen dollars and $16,000 today. Okay. So this we are dealing with the world of haute couture. Yeah. And if you don't know what that is, uh, it's different from what you find in a department store. Haute couture is what you do when you go to the show, the fashion show, and you decide which one you want to buy, and then they make it specifically for you and through it's the a only series one on of fittings, and it's the only one. So, she's going to have an haute couture gown from Christian Dior. But Not if Isabelle Huppert has exactly. anything to say about it. Everyone is in Mrs. Harris's way. Whether they are snooty Dior people or the treacherous gay who does the fittings or the rich guy uh, who, you know, kind of toys with her heart for a while um, in her time in Paris or the rich lady who sabotages her choice. Mm-hmm. Um, On the other hand, and, and this movie weaves class through everything, which I really love, you have the more the working class people who work in the house of Dior, the yeah. models, the seamstresses, are thrilled that this this cleaning lady is going to come in and buy a cash gown. in hand. Exactly. And yeah, the accountant is thrilled because she's actually going to, she's putting cash down. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these rich folks won't pay until the end. And even then you have to chase them down. The accountant, the, the accountant is actually very uh, kind to her. Yes. Uh, uh, Andre is his yes. name. He's her sort of her first champion. And yeah. he's like, Hey, to, he's like, did you see she has actual cash? Yeah. We are chasing accounts from super rich people who never pay us. Exactly. Um, they're, they're probably still trying to get paid by the woman who hasn't paid Mrs. Harris. Right. <laughs> who showed her her deal again. So, uh, this movie sets them up and knocks them down. <laughs> and I mean, clock, 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 yeah. clock, one after the other. If and, you are, Any roadblock, any... any complication if you are an obstacle to mrs harris and her joy you will not only uh get a little bit of a comeuppance but you will turn and you will you will learn to love her and you will be forgiven for being awful to her at the very beginning of the film so rest assured that there are no hard edges (laughs) to cut you scrape you or hurt you (laughs) in this film now, is it as delightful and moving and sweet and transporting and funny and transporting as Paddington 2? No. It's Paddington 2 for uh, people who think they're too good for Paddington 2. Yes. <laughs> and I, um, it's adorable. 
It really is adorable. There's, there are, <laughs> there are, there are a few things in the movie that are glaringly ridiculous and wrong. Um, and I don't want to spoil it because there is one line of anachronistic dialogue in this movie that made me guffaw. <laughs> I laughed out loud in the theater and I was, you know, I had my mask on so no one knew it was me. Um, but, and, and I was the only person who did laugh out loud, but you know, you'll see it and you'll know exactly what it is when yes. Mrs. Harris says it. <laughs> And then when when after I was sort of shocked that it was included in the film, like I thought, what year <laughs> are we in again? Did we just suddenly? Is it now nineteen ninety seven? Like, <laughs> um, no, didn't matter. I just thought, you know what? I don't care. Yeah, just let it go. I don't care. I am in my mind. I'm sipping grape soda and eating mozzarella sticks while I watch this movie at AMC Grove. <laughs> Uh, but I am not eating snacks and films at the moment. I'm being exactly like Isabelle Huppert. No drink, no snack, only cinema. <laughs> Is this cinema? That's the next question. It's entertaining. Or does Isabelle Huppert just like to work? The answer is Isabelle Huppert just likes, likes to work. work. Look, I'm, how great is it for her to get to do a movie... Where she is not going to be like psychologically and or physically tortured <laughs> True. for however long the shoot is, because she she's, signs she's your, up. She signs up for the, all the toughies, the most <laughs> grueling experiences in in film. Yeah, she does. It's like, oh, I, I just get to like wear great outfits and snap snap at people. I'm in <laughs> in English. Yeah, and my hair will be marcelled. Yeah, it's you know. It's that kind of movie. Uh, Leslie Manville is super charming. Oh, she is magnetic. And, uh, in fact, I would say every, everyone is, yeah. really. You it's a really are, good cast. You're on everyone's side. Um, it's, is it good? Eh. It's adorable. It, yeah. That's sometimes what, that's, sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, you know, like I was moved to tears in the documentary Dioran is Dior me or Dior and I? I forget the Rafe Simons. Yes, doc. I forget when he finally does his show. I was just overwhelmed Were between you? between like the walls. You're gonna flowers. go see the Salvatore Ferragamo the shoe documentary. Probably with me? okay, great. <laughs> I have to say, when the dresses started coming out, oh yeah, I got a little. It's reclamped. exciting. It was like it was so beautiful. Yeah, it went at the end. When she gets to wear the dress, oh. you're like, you're like, oh, uh, my, my uh, heart, uh, yeah. <laughs> let her touch those let, things. Let her touch those things. Yes. <laughs> uh, there are also uh, there's also a pro union message and pro communism message yes. in this film, which you know what we super appreciate that. Bring it. Um, and uh, yeah. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Will make you happy? Maybe I don't know. Maybe it will. It is. It's the kind of movie on what the flick that we would always say: take your mom, take your mom. We'll both have a good time. Take your mom. This is the kind of movie my mom would walk out of at the end and go, "That was cute," and that meant that's good. That was high that's praise. Good. Yeah. Yeah. 
we watched Persuasion yes. on Netflix, the new uh, Jane Austen adaptation. Which is also cute. Why don't you talk about it, Alonzo? <laughs> okay. Why don't you explain how cute it is? <laughs> so this, Maybe you'll convince me by the time you finish talking. This is Persuasion by way of Fleabag and Bridget Jones. Well, actually... Oh. I, Actually, please do not bring Fleabag well, into this. Well, I'm just talking about I'm talking about structurally and not not in no other way. The American version of The Office. Let's call it that instead <laughs> of Fleabag. Well, Christie, I think, was the one who had a, who had the good point that like the Bridget Jones stuff is all based, you know, is is a play on I, Austin. I understand. And now yes. this is sort of like coming back to Austin with uh-huh. a Bridget Jones, you know, um, know yeah. sensibility intact, mm-hmm. but without the sense. Well, a lot of people hate this. I don't mind it, but I will say it, this is not anywhere a patch on the 90s persuasion with uh, Amanda Root and Kieran Hines. Kieran Hines that right. one is, that's, that is probably still my favorite of all right. Austin adaptations. Yeah, it's serious. Yeah. <laughs> it's serious. This is not serious. This is nope. aggressively not it's serious. It's meant to be uh, plinky, plinky, plinky fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Dakota Johnson... Uh, I was just making the noise of the score. Yes. That, that, I don't even remember if that's the kind of score it has. But it might as well But be. it might as well have that yeah. kind of score. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Johnson, who has a... I would, to, to my ears of stone, a passable British accent. That's fine. Actual Brits may you know, are we Are we comparing her to Kevin Costner in Robin Hood? <laughs> great. She's great. Yeah. Uh, she plays Anne Elliot. She is the... Um, Middle child of a of a family that is mostly lost its fortune, um, and she, all of them are terrible. Yes, <laughs> except her. She had been engaged to a, a, a naval captain, but his financial prospects did not seem strong, so she was compelled to let him go. Uh, she still pines for him, and you know, like drinks wine alone, yeah. um, and misses him. And he has, in the ensuing years, become really wealthy. Um, and then when he comes back, he winds uh, up at he winds up returning. Yes, for other other social reasons, right? Yeah, and complications ensue. Yeah. Meanwhile, her her father and oldest sister have to kind of give up the family manor and move off to Bath to try and uh, marry off uh, the oldest daughter. Right. Um, the younger daughter, who is totally self obsessed and a hypochondriac has married and has adorable children. Um, you know, it's, it, it is, it is, it is persuasion, but what's different is that, uh, Anne often will address the camera and introduce the, the, the other characters around her as though she were talking to us. She will, occasionally she just, always breaks the fourth wall. She reacts to what other people say by staring into the camera and giving you the, yeah. can you even believe yeah, it? Yeah. She, she does. She, she gives you the gym. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where we're going here. And then it is also doing the thing, which again, I hope just becomes so standard that we don't have to point it out anymore. The non-traditional casting where Henry, not only white people, exactly. Uh, Henry Golding shows up as, uh, the actual heir to the family fortune. Right. And as somebody pointed out, like when Henry Golding shows up and he's not the romantic lead, what are we even doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a, he's a jerk. Yeah, yeah, but a fun um, jerk. But he's a fun jerk. Um, 
as as long as these kind of period uh, films are going to continue to be made, and they will always continue to be made. Yes, there will never be a shortage. There's a bottomless appetite of the period, you know, uh, corset movie. Mm-hmm. The Ampere Waste. Therefore, uh, definitely, Bridgerton leads the way. Open up the casting. You know, David Copperfield, this, uh, Mr. Malcolm's, uh, List. Mr. Malcolm's List. Well, let's just make it be Mary Queen of Scots. a world where everybody can be up for any kind of role. Yeah. I don't care what the hit, what the past was like in the the 18th century. I no one's got dysentery in these movies, so we're not exactly wedded to historical facts. Right. These are uh romantic dramas. Let's have the cast be uh, anyone who's good enough to be in the movie. As you, as you like to say for 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 a movie set in Britain, it sure does a lot of not raining. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, it's it's it, it is it is it is an it is in not a realistic past right ever so and i don't know anyone who is complaining about uh you know uh, uh casting without regard for ethnicity um or race i uh assume that those people are out there being uh, angry on the internet all by themselves and that is where they can stay so um cuz you're racist is really what I'm trying to tell you. Boom. If you if you don't like it, you're racist. Um This this film is not good. <laughs> I'm I am willing to admit that Dakota Johnson can kind of she walk me through oh, anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how many bad movies have I seen with Dakota Johnson where I'm like, this movie sucks. I sure do like that Dakota Johnson. <laughs> She is so easily engaging and charming. It's in her genes. Like, her her mother is Melanie Griffith. Her father is Don Johnson. Her grandmother is Tippi Hedren. Her grandmother is Tippi Hedren. There's a reason why she walked on to the Ellen show and just didn't play that day. She doesn't have to. She's got the confidence of Hollywood royalty, and it translates on screen. I don't want to disregard the work she's doing, but I have a feeling that it just comes easily to her, this whole sense of, like, poise and, you know, Good feeling. You feel good about her. But here's the thing. She's also, I think, a very talented comic. I, I agree. And that's yep. that's not so easily come by. But I, I think, and and this is a movie. You know, I mean, she's had. There have been other opportunities, but she doesn't get to play funny nearly enough. No. And if for nothing else, I think that makes this movie worth watching, just right. to watch her be in this. Yeah. I uh, appreciate her presence in the film, and if it weren't for her. I might have turned it off. Fair. Because I I don't mind the uh, the nowification of, of everything where mm-hmm. characters are talking about uh, uh, 
what about my self-care? Like that kind of I'm stuff. I'm an empath. I'm an empath, yeah. I, that doesn't bother me. It's often said that if you're a five in London, you're a 10 But I bath. want yeah. a consistent tone. Sure. If you're going to be that goofy, mm-hmm. be that goofy. They do drop that for a, a chunk of the movie do. once things really get rolling. When, when it comes time to be sad and upset, we spend a long time being sad and upset. And a lot of it feels like it was just a, an easy way to introduce all the characters without having to do a lot right. of exposition. So there's, it's totally all over the map. It's a it's a mess. Really, it's a mess. Um, the, the 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 Wentworth character is kind of like a, just another grumpy Mister Darcy. Yes, played by Cosmo Jarvis, just moody guy, and I he's bereft a lot in this movie. Right. He's a, there's a lot of pining yes. going on. Yes. I, it exhausted me. <laughs> it all exhausted me. And if you listen to this show long enough, you know I love stuff like this. Yeah. You know I love these period romantic dramas. Big grand houses and the gardens and the outfits and the and if you and the, and and the china on the table and the and that stuff is here. Yeah. If you if you are here for the manor houses and the croquet and the right. you know the 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 Empire waist like I said that you yeah. get it in buckets of it. I've seen a lot of Austin adaptations. Yeah. Good and bad. I say this is one of the bad ones. Okay. Dakota Johnson kept me going all the way to the end. She is worth maybe watching it. Um I I was charmed by it but I I think if I had gone in cold, I would have been like, what? But because I had already seen, I'd already had to put through the rap review, I knew what I was getting into. Right. So I was already kind of dialing back my expectations. Like, okay, this is going to be sort of Austin adjacent. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to do that, fine. But do it consistently. Go harder. From, go harder. Do it consistently from start to finish. Be funnier. Make it, make it as clueless as it, as it wants to be. Because that's what this movie wants to be. It wants to be an instant, uh, easily you know digestible thing like Clueless. Clueless is now its own classic film. Yeah. And as an Austin adaptation that is purely comic, it wins. This one jumps all over the place, doesn't know what it wants to be, doesn't know what it wants its characters to be, it drives me crazy. I did like uh, Mia McKenna Bruce, who plays the younger sister. The younger sister is very funny. She's the she's the worst yes. human in the film, <laughs> and therefore the funniest. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was charmed by her. Uh, that's it. Those are the films that we are we have reviewed for this episode of Linoleum Knife. Eh. We're done. Okay. Done with cinema. <laughs> uh, there are no letters this week. No. No. But y'all, we got a Patreon. <laughs> I do declare. Patreon.com slash linoleum knife. You go there, you got all kind of very exciting content that you can uh, subscribe to for a variety of price points. Tears. It ain't like going to the House of Dior in 1957. You only have one option, the 500-pound frog. 
We'll sell you a DR keychain. We'll sell you. Yeah, we'll get you. We get you the DR keychain. It's a dollar fifty. Um, what are we? Okay, so you could. There are different shows. Uh, there's Linoleum Knife presents more Linoleum Knife. There's a daily update called LKRX where we recommend things to you. Um, there's a show called LKTV where we talk about television. There's a show called LK, sorry, Linoleum Knife and Fork where we talk about food. And there's a show called Linoleum Nights where we talk about anything we damn well please. There are monthly club meetings. We're having one tonight in exactly two hours. We're going to all sit down together and watch Mean Girls. As a family. Sometimes we do it. Sometimes we choose important films. That are that are that are uh, even challenging films, and that's not happening tonight. It's summertime, and we just don't want to do anything stressful. Taxing. So we are going to watch Mean Girls. Uh, we're all going to talk about it on Discord at the time we are watching the movie on Netflix. Um, that's Lino- That's Patreon.com slash Linoleum Knife. Yes, it is. Do it. Go there. Uh, please also check out the other shows that I co-host. Um, Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network. Uh, Breakfast All Day with Christy Lemire. We're keeping the, the What the Flick Flame Alive, doing our own show now. And it's on YouTube as well as the podcast. And uh, Deck the Hallmark, where I pop in once a week. Um, this past month for Christmas in July, we've been doing uh, Deck the Netflix, where we've been talking about Netflix Christmas movies. And in fact, actually, the next episode... Going back to Isabella Reset, we're talking about uh, Let It Snow. So check that out as well. Um, as always, you know, please uh, subscribe to the show for free at Apple Podcasts. If you'll leave us a five-star review there, we will read it on the show. You can also leave positive feedback in the many places that we stream, including uh, Spotify, um, Amazon Music, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, CastBox, Podbean, TheLounge.com. Um, you can uh, follow us at LinoleumCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Uh, dig into his wonderful material, including his brand new single at BlueBleu.BandCamp.com. And finally, you can drop us a line at LinoleumPodcast at gmail.com. Um, somebody on Twitter said they had sent us a letter like in April and it didn't get to us and oh. it may well be very, very, very buried in our inbox. So oh if you want to resend that, that'd be fine. Yeah, if you didn't, I mean, if you're, if you're a faithful listener and you're listening each week for your letter to be read and it wasn't read. Yes, that's send, on us. Sorry. Send it again, uh, you know, and if we like it, we'll read it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> and if we don't, we'll it. just keep ignoring you. <laughs> that's kind of how it works. <laughs> Anyway, thank you as always for listening. We super appreciate it. We'll be back next time with more. Until then. Goodbye.